This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hey, I'm a bad bitch, and I'm ready to talk about Bandersnatch. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. I'm Jake and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films and more that have never been staged before or are never likely to be staged again and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello. Hello I'm Caleb, gonna, how are you doing? I'm not going to say, oh, I wasn't going to do how I used to do it. Nah, we're doing it. We've decided we're okay. doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm good. Tired. What did we say we're not doing it? I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. care how you are. How, Go away. how are you, Jake? <laughs> Oh, this is... Why is it so... What do we do? Okay, we need to decide right now, on air, okay. yeah. what do we say at the beginning? I say um, Caleb, and you say yes. hello, and yes. then I say, Caleb, what have you been up to this week? What have you been doing? Ah, that, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not much. <laughs> good. good. Just kill ha- the conversation. Happy lockdown, everyone. Uh, um, let's introduce great. our guest. Okay, we'll introduce our guest. Uh, this week, we are joined by uh, producer, theatre maker, and exercise guru, Gregor Weir. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Gregor, what have you What have you been up to recently? Uh, have you been able to make anything in recent times? Yeah, actually. Well, I've been quite lucky. Um, so I'm working on four VR shows at the moment. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm juggling. I wish I had an extra arm. It would be great. Um, I, <laughs> I've i also, I've written an essay, um, and um, which is going to be part of a book, which I'm also designing, and that we are pursuing other options with that as well. So that's exciting. So yeah, I feel really lucky to, to stay creative because yeah, that tough is, times. Yeah, incredibly busy. Where, where, I mean, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do social media at the end, actually. I was going to say like what, you know, the VR shows, like what are they? Are they things people can readily access? Um, three of them are, yes. Three of them are through live witness theater. Um, and you can go and find them on on all the social medias. And one of them, I'm not sure if it's been announced yet. Um, okay. So we won't we won't delve any by. further into that. Then. <laughs> um, what was it? Okay, we will get into the actual show. But what I just I'm genuinely interested. What is it like working on VR theatre at the moment? Because my only uh, concept of that is our cursed um, Love Actually episode where he talks about doing Love Actually as a VR experience. Um, so yeah, what's that? What's it like working on that at the moment? Oh, it's so funny. No one has any idea like what's going on. Oh, real? Because no, <laughs> because we're all theatre makers. No one's used to like all of this, so it's quite funny. Yeah. But, oh, it's a good experience. It's something new, isn't it? So yeah we're just um just trying it it's quite funny though because we were in um a meeting the other day and it only just dawned on us that actually we can't be in the room while they're filming it and we had to like completely change our plans because we were like an audience member is going to turn their heads around and just see me sitting with a notebook <laughs> and like a writing yeah. now and <laughs> <laughs> oh bro oh that that sounds very exciting um well yeah what film have you brought for us to look at this week gregor so I have brought Bandersnatch um, because I'm a sucker for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bandersnatch is the 2018 uh, Black Mirror 
film, uh, Netflix original. Uh, it was the first of the Netflix live interactive format, uh, and which, as far as I'm aware, has basically only been used for Bear Grylls, You vs. Wild shows ever since. I was going to say, I was going to say, there's more. <laughs> there are more. Bear, Bear Grylls has been making these survival shows where you get to decide what he does, and like on one of them, you, you just decide for him to just jump off a cliff. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and it was written by Charlie Brooker, directed by David Slade, stars Fiona Whitehead, Craig Parkinson, Alice Lowe, Asim Chowdhury, and Will Poulter. Um, it is, yeah, this basically a kind of choose your own adventure, uh, but you sit and watch it on your Netflix, whatever device you're using, and you just click little choices. Um, but I won't say any more. Gregor, why don't you give us a, a rundown? if you can of the the plot <laughs> i should say before you do that it is also the second black mirror episode we've done which is very exciting oh of it course means, it is and so running out of things uh no not really uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just a very good tv show yeah. um yeah yeah go ahead gregor give us a, a rundown yeah so um it, well the plot is a bit difficult um but the premise is <laughs> it, it starts in uh it's set in the 80s and um it starts with our main character stefan and he uh has designed this video game bandersnatch which is a choose your own adventure um style video game where you can kind of split down loads of different narratives and then that is kind of also the basis of the film stroke tv episode itself um so there are multiple different endings that you can end up with um ranging from um uh murdering your dad to um having a um, fight with your therapist with like nunchucks and everything um (laughs) to god there's literally so many other endings i can hardly remember all of them Uh, he ends up in prison <laughs> a lot of quite a few times. The dad. It, it's a yeah. lot, yeah. But yeah, it's what I find really interesting about it, and what I find really cool, and why I chose it is because um, it's kind of doing what theatre, in theory, should be doing all the time, which is engaging your audience and making the audience part of the story, um, which I think. Although this is done in a really explicit way, I think it should be done like it should be at the heart of all good theater, really. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I chose it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even even like a a realist sort of kitchen sink drama on stage, you still want there to be that that immediate interaction between audience and and performer, because otherwise, why would you not just film it and and show it like that the the point is Mm. we have that that connection between uh audience and performer for sure yeah this is very exciting as a thing to think about staging because uh it is very like you say there is that explicit like playableness for the audience they specifically make choices and not only do they specifically make choices but built into the story is the idea that the main character knows someone is making the choices for him um, which I think is quite an exciting concept to sort of play with um, on stage. Do, do any of us have any broad ideas to sort of set us off in the in staging it? I have a terrible idea that we're not going to do. Okay. <laughs> um, Let's hear it. <laughs> it's not even really an idea. It is just a rejection. <laughs> um, this, this 
but what Bandersnatch does <laughs> yeah. that, that sort of annoys me is that it takes well and I, it doesn't annoy me because that's what Black Mirror is so it's fine but it annoys me to some extent is that it, it creates this form for TV mm. sort of and then it goes and now we're going to subvert it yeah and my my kind of issue with that is that like the what everything else Black Mirror subverts is something that's going on in the world but to create a thing and then immediately subvert the thing you just made lacks that establishing like fear mongering that Black Mirror is so good at doing and I wonder if we're trying to put this on stage then we've kind of got to do a similar thing we've got to like create something new where the well I guess it's not Choose Your Own Adventure Play isn't exactly isn't anywhere near as new as Choose Your Own Adventure TV but you've got to create something that's kind of its own thing Mm. and then you've got to subvert it in a similar way you've got to go but no you didn't really have control all along and i don't know how much that message is really very appealing to a theater audience and so i guess my thing that we won't do because i don't really have an alternative (laughs) (laughs) cool let's do bandersnatch is in let's let people choose where the play goes but let's not actually do this plot because it's a bit silly <laughs> um, but but also i yeah i don't have really a replacement other than the only replacement in terms of trying to keep it near to the normal plot as possible is that the most disappointing like route for me is there's one where you choose not to kill the dad oh i'll put a link to like a flowchart of all the plots by the way so you can keep track along with the, with the podcast if you want i'll put that in the description um but there's one route where you like choose not to kill the dad and if you do that it just fades out and ends like it doesn't even like yeah tell you that that was wrong or that you shouldn't have done that it just it's just it, it just goes like nah do something more interesting <laughs> and it's and i'm like no i want to see like i there's this idea and i guess again it's the point of the subversion is that what bandersnatch does is actually in giving you all these choices actually just points you in one direction at least for the first and second acts and then in the third it gives you maybe a few options but they all feel unsatisfactory to a certain extent yeah um and so i guess i'd be interested in finding a plot that doesn't do that i guess Um, (laughs) but that is not really an idea anyone else (laughs) have an actual idea (laughs) well i feel like a lot of the the plot or whatever we choose to be the plot will be determined by the logistics in part as well yeah because um i tried so i wrote well i wrote a a choose your own adventure play back in the day and uh and we put it on and it was just one of those things where you don't quite realize how much of a nightmare it's going to be until you do it (laughs) and we had like three times the amount of stage managers and it was just like intense and like oh my god it was it was a lot so we we were actually making seven different plays um when we had one yeah it was like one of those things where we were like oh well we'll we'll do it with improv like it's fine that's a way of getting around yeah. this, this this way but we'll work it out <laughs> yeah but but then when you tell a bunch of actors that anything could happen and and they're not quite ready for improv and there was just a lot and also it was student theater and we were all just a bit overwhelmed and it was a lot so yeah. we wrote it which <laughs> It was just, yeah, because like in Black Mirror, in Bandersnatch, there's there's a lot yeah. of times where they're sort of having the same conversation, but like the odd line will change or like, you know, the different things will, will switch up, which yeah. is really hard to learn if you're an actor because <laughs> um, yeah. we had to start saying things to them like, no, this is scene C 
direction for. <laughs> and they were like, what? <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Oh, me. my word. Yes. So you're coming back to Bandersnatch in order to reconcile that project yeah. to find another way of doing a choose your own adventure on stage like, <laughs> um i do i do think maybe part of it is this thing that it as exciting as the as like repeating a scene but just changing a couple of lines is as an idea um i wonder is that possible to really transfer to stage without uh asking your actors to do probably more than they they can and is there a way of, you know, there, there is this kind of thing that actually really the show is just pointing you in a, a smaller number of directions than it actually offers up. So a lot of the endings, like you were saying, like killing your dad and going to prison, or like you can choose to just like make the project with the big, uh, make the video game with the big video game company and it's disappointing early on and stuff like that. Uh, most of those endings ask you then to go back and try again. And there are only like two or three actual endings where they take you through to the credits and they say that that's it you finished that was your whole path done i wonder whether we can find a way of making these dead ends lead you back into the main narrative without having to retrace your steps so much there's a certain amount of you do need to retrace some steps because part of the story and part of the story that i think is exciting is this idea that there are alternate realities but they can affect each other and I think that that is an interesting concept. But I also think watching it this time around, like first time I watched this, I just wanted to find all the different endings and stuff. And it was really exciting. But then this time around, it was like, okay, like about 40 minutes in, I was like, oh, this is actually quite interesting. There's some interesting concepts. And then I spent like an hour just trying to find my way to the exit. Um, and it got repetitive and it got frustrating. And I don't think you could put a theater audience through that in the same way you can on Netflix where you can just skip 10 seconds whenever you want to whatever yeah and from a producer's hat on point of view i i think there's actually an advantage of that in terms of if you if an audience wanted to come back they could pay to see it again <laughs> Basically. yeah yeah so yeah absolutely yeah and if and if you promise there are so many endings uh even if it's just four you know that that night you saw one of four endings and if you came back another night the chances are you would see a different one of the four endings. And I think there's something exciting about that. I was going to suggest um, that a way of tackling all the complexities and all of that would be to maybe have multiple different casts that you kind of do for different plot lines. And it might involve a little bit of potentially tacky multi-rolling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you think about that. That's very interesting. My... My first thought had just been to to find ways of making it more linear, which I guess is more boring. Um, uh, and well, yeah, I think that that is possible. And using, yeah, using if we were to, I guess it depends on what space we end up putting it in. But if we were to do this in a like a big, I don't know, like a proscenium arch or on the West End or something like that, we could have a big enough cast in order to say, okay, we have like a cast, like an ensemble of like 20 people. And if our main character goes down this route, he meets these characters. If our main character goes down this route, he meets these characters instead. But that would also mean a big overhaul of the story because the actual story only has about five or six characters in it, I feel. Sorry, Gregor, are you suggesting that you have three cast and they're all, <laughs> they all come in, they get ready for the half... 
They're, they they go to their places um, <laughs> five minutes before. Yeah. And then they start the show, and then there's like one choice, like five minutes in, and then you send two of the cast saying, Is that, <laughs> is that, is that your suggestion? We, listen, we have money coming out of our ears for this production. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's in fine. It's nice. theatre. You get a Right, deal. here's what we do, okay? We, we book out um, like a whole street of West End theatres and we start the performances 15 minutes after each other and if you book in for the late showing you don't get to make the choice because it's already been made in the other theatres and you're left with whichever cast was left and then you so each cast gets to do something but the audience gets fewer and fewer choices depending on how late they show up to watch um no I mean we won't do that um yeah, maybe that is a, a logist. I I wonder multicasts might actually present as many logistical challenges as it um as it solves. When your two options are um, actors learn lines good or hire lots of actors, <laughs> I, I feel like we might have to go for the former. Um, but I like multi rolling. My favorite, literally, my favorite TV show, TV episode as a kid was the episode of the uh of the faraway tree where they go i don't know if you ever saw that in blighton you go to this land where it's also a book it's a book first i don't know why i said tv show well i I watched the tv show um you would go to this land where uh they all went to the land and there's one guy and he's like hello i'm the taxi driver i'll take you into town and then they like go into a toy shop and the guy's like being really mean to them in the toy shop and they realize it's the same guy as the taxi driver and then they like spend this entire episode going around town and it transpires that like there is only one person living here <laughs> what? and they do all of the jobs and he's really mean to them in all of the jobs in lots of different ways and it's so much fun anyway that's that mad. sounds like a black mirror episode <laughs> in its own wow yeah or like twilight zone or something yeah um well my thought is something that would involve multi-rolling um but it would not involve multi-casts um my my thought was to take it in quite a different direction from what we usually do on this podcast where we say okay we have as many millions of pounds as we like to put this on and instead to think about how could we put this on in a budget studio space because realistically i feel a lot of the settings don't matter too much they're not some of them are kind of visually striking but actually a lot of the set dressing and stuff is nice in the tv show but wouldn't necessarily need to be there on stage um and what you could do is you could put this in a black box studio with a cast of my current thinking is four one for the main character one for the dad and the guy that runs the uh, video game company and any other sort of male roles that come up one to play colin and one to play uh unfortunately one to play all the female roles as well so to play the therapist his mother colin's girlfriend slash wife slash partner and uh and so yeah you have these four cast members all of them would be in play apart from the one who plays colin for most of the show um but i think to have the person who plays colin be absent for everything after colin dies would be quite an important way of showing the impact that has on the other alternative alternate timelines and how that ripples through but yeah my thinking is that you could make all of that work on a relatively low budget in a pretty small space with a pretty small cast like this could actually be a thing you put on it would just then be logistically how do we have the audience decide each of the different options i guess Mm. yeah it was interesting because i when i started watching it 
I out loud said, oh, I completely forgot it was set in the 80s. <laughs> and then as I went through, as I went through watching it, I remembered, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember reading all these articles about how they spent a million pounds changing the WH Smith in some random high street in London <laughs> to a 1980s WH Smith. Of course like, they did. There was loads of news stories about it at the time. <laughs> and they'd spent, yeah, and it's, and, and I, but I turned it back on four years later or whatever it was and gone i didn't remember it was set in the 80s because yeah which is weird because it is about developing video games in a very 80s way i I love the 80s setting that's one of the reasons actually why i love it so much is that it's a start when it's like relax don't do and it's like such a good like way to start it and i love the um i love the kind of like old Pac-Man-y style of those games and I think it kind of could look really cool on stage as well if we did it in this black box space and did like maybe yeah. like um, projection mapping or something with like almost like a Pac-Man-y type look or like Space Invader type like retro games could could be kind of cool I don't know oh, yeah I'm even thinking maybe the only only real set dressing you have apart from a couple of key props is like a one of these sort of blocky 80s computers where he's running the game off of um and you can have that actual screen playing the, the, when he's playing the game in in it we the audience see that um and you could even do that alongside some projection mapping with it but to have that as like the center of the of our design is like this this symbol of the period i would really like and obviously you have all of the music throughout that is just such a it sets the the tone and vibe of the 80s all the way through um but i think you're right jake and you know the house and stuff apart from when he sat there designing his computer the house looks pretty modern it looks like a house today which is why i think you could strip back a lot of the, the the design just down to like concentrated this is the 80s stuff um and and really make that clear in a, in a studio space that's given me an idea for a mechanic okay um as time far as the choices are concerned. as an extra character we have a mechanic no no Come, he comes in <laughs> no, no 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 no. we have three mechanics uh, no. <laughs> so uh there's have either of you seen lights over tesco car park i have seen a, a recorded version of it no okay. i have not don't know how that would have come across that was by um poltergeist theater and what they do is they they, at one point in their story it becomes choose your own adventure in the sense that there are three bits and it doesn't matter what order you watch them in and so they just have this thing where they stand at the front of the stage in like frozen tableau and the lights go a bit weird and they play some shushi music and they're all like holding like a light and the light is on if they've not done that plot yet and off if they've done that plot and they just stand there they just like it like they're doing something and they're like right we're gonna do this we're gonna decide what to do and then they just suddenly are in these like frozen tableaus and they just stand there and i mean i don't know what happens if if it goes on for ages but the idea is that they don't tell you anything one of the audience just has to work out that they have to get up and pick one. Mm. Oh my god, that's so. It's stressful. like a, they're holding like <laughs> glowy things, and someone in the audience just has to work out that you have to get up. Someone has to get up and pick one of the things. Well, they're holding they're holding glowy things, but they also have projected like the name of what that little story is going to be as well. Oh, do they? So you, maybe not in the version I saw. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, okay, interesting. So that was that to me. Like that that read as like a helpful thing of like. Oh, so there's these glowy things, and then like just the title of what could be a story. Maybe, yeah, so, maybe it did have that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I yes, think you're yeah. you're right though. It is that exciting thing of like, 
again, it's that thing of playableness, of liveness, of like, okay, we just have to wait for someone to pick and right, then so, we launch into something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my idea was because I was. Yeah, I was gonna say like okay so how do we talk about how a group makes a decision when on tv it's one thing but but what you just mentioned was kind of cool in the sense of if if we imagine that instead of it being like it's tv but you choose what direction the tv goes we think about it more as a game yeah in and of itself and maybe as an 80s game with a kind of joystick we have one of those like arcade joystick things on stage oh my word and it's projected and maybe this joystick thing is just like somewhere on the stage and at certain points when something is happening we just kind of get almost like you know the when the weakest link goes <laughs> and it and yeah. all like mastermind and like all the lights like go onto one area and everything else goes dark until a choice is made yeah um, yeah let's have Anne in. robinson just I... walk in um now that will not be conducive to people making decisions but yeah I, I, anyway i'm just thinking yeah maybe yeah maybe basically we just like the the action something i kind of don't like well not don't like but sometimes it's a bit clunky in in the netflix one is that it, they are clearly stalling while you make a decision yeah, yeah. like they are clearly being like come on <laughs> yeah come on <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's a bit odd um especially given what you expect in filmed media um, yeah and it tries and, to feel natural but it's clearly unnatural yes right. yeah there's one in particular where when it's the one where he realizes that you exist where oh, he's yeah. like he just like shouts three times <gasps> yeah it's like, that's just right Who, oh my god who's so controlling awkward. me who are you just like give okay, me a yeah. sign god <laughs> damn it <a> sign. <laughs> yeah, the whole netflix sign thing can we get rid of that in this version i'm not yeah, no, oh, absolutely, yeah, that, yeah. that is yeah. so self-indulgent anyway um my point being is that i kind of like this idea of we're in the scene we're in the play and then we get to a choice instead of that kind of weird stally shit they yeah. can say something and then we get the like mastermind slash uh weakest link style lights and there's just we and we have the game controller and the projection the projection is like of an actual like pac-man style or 8-bit character that like needs to choose a path and then someone from the audience has to get up and choose the path although we can talk about whether there's a group decision process instead but like i like this idea that like we're using like a joystick no i love that Mm, yeah that's so cool i like that it's one person that has to just like figure it out as well that's nice yeah yeah it's it's interesting because it's like you know when with an audience you're trying to make a group experience in a theater and when when you have one person making the decision like that it's one thing in like a 40 seat fringe venue like lights over tesco car park is but if you've paid you know 80 quid to sit in a however many seat theater and mm. one person that just happens to be like the most confident to walk onto the stage <laughs> gets to make the decision that is quite unsatisfying because like i mean I, I and i think we should talk about group decision methods mm. as well yeah well i mean i guess i i am envisaging this in a studio space like in a fringe venue where it, it would kind of work that just one person makes that call for all 40 people and there's enough decisions that pretty much everyone in the audience could make a decision at some point in the show if they wanted to you know what i mean there um, are not I, 40 decisions but yeah <laughs> there are, i would say there are nearly 40 decisions i don't know i made a lot of decisions this afternoon whilst i was doing this well that um, is and that's another thing runtime is, is a thing we'll, well do yeah. Longer, yeah well that's true but i uh, know i'm completely with you i think the that this is the thing right yeah if you, if you did do it in a bigger space it is you have it has to be this like group decision made democratically where you're all voting for one thing or another kind of thing uh i i personally not sure that would work 
because of this Darren Brown documentary from a while ago. Uh, I really I forget the name entirely, but it's it's like this thing about crowd psychology, right? And what he does is, um, yeah, Jake's gonna Google it. This will he'll find it. Um, <laughs> what he does, right, is he he gathers together a live TV audience in a studio. And they have this guy who's going about just having a regular night out for a drink at the pub. And then the audience in the studio get to make decisions about what happens to that guy over the course of the night. And different actors can enact different things to happen to him. And basically, each decision is basically either give this guy a nice thing or give this guy a not nice thing. And every single time, the whole crowd are wearing masks. So like the cameras can't show who they are every single time they pick the guy to have the not nice thing happen to him. And this goes on and on and on until the point where this guy gets run over by a van. And we're told that this guy is a, a real person, right? He's, he, but it, it's obviously he's an actor and they, they staged it and he didn't actually get run over by a van. But the moment he gets run over by a van, everyone in the audience is like, oh no, we decided not nice <laughs> things did, did to happen say, to oh, him. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there, there are some people in it where like they literally like take off their masks and they're like gasping and like, anyway. But yeah, it is like that kind of thing. But basically, I, I worry that if you did this by democratic process in a space where people feel they're anonymous, they would just always pick the not nice thing to happen, which means that each night would not be very interesting. Um, because I think each night you would end up going down the same path and you wouldn't explore different pathways. Yeah, I it's think like how in improv people always pick the thing that seems most difficult for the actors when they get right. to choose things. <laughs> yeah, but this is it, yeah. right? I think, but one person going up um, and being offered different options, that person I think will be more considered in what they're choosing because democratically, you know, in in a democratic decision like that you know if 60 percent of people go on the most obvious choice those other 40 percent of people are disappointed when you just see one person go up and make a choice then you're like oh that person made that choice that's fine and then you just deal with it and i think that would be a better audience experience I, a very roundabout way of me saying that so i apologize <laughs> uh the reason why you forgot the name of the darren brown thing is because it is called the experiment oh is it come yeah. on darren come on <laughs> come on that's so oh man what is that thing he's he's adapting that we did on the podcast recently the invisible man he is adapting Ah. the invisible man which we did but but a few episodes ago yeah Um, there you go yeah i don't know if i buy the whole darren darren brown situation um i feel like is it not kind of just mostly (laughs) bullshit (laughs) yeah i mean yeah it's it's like it's a it's a psychological uh theory or phenomenon that he just sort of expands out to the point of like ridiculousness i feel Mm. but yeah it's entertaining i like the idea of like audience members running towards this (laughs) this joystick as well i kind of like the chaos (laughs) of it i don't know if i like that as a theater maker or just um my turn my turn (laughs) well because in the show they have that like the like uh the, the like strings rising in pitch whenever you make a decision it's like and you're like oh, what's, oh yeah okay, what's that called that's got a name um it does have a name and it's used in like every modern action trailer um but i i like the idea that you could play that noise that sound effect and there is that like sense of like stress of like an audience member needs to get down mm. there and make the decision and i think that would be quite fun shepherd tone shepherd tone that's it used in dunkirk a lot mm. there you are i've watched a video about that once <laughs> because <laughs> uh, in the movie Dunkirk it feels like the music is always getting higher but it is actually obviously just not. Harry Styles uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
just your enjoyment um, increasing uh, as you see him more on the screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe you agree or disagree, Gregor, but I think maybe we, we stick with having it in a smaller space, but having one audience member choose. Yeah, let's do it. I'm all for smaller spaces anyway. I feel like sometimes proscenium marches can be boring and stuff. So, yeah, definitely. One, one thing I was going to say was, um, one of the things that I was going to say was, um, it's kind of like the awkward pause moments where sometimes the characters, they, they sort of, they do that thing that they do in Doctor Who sometimes, where if something's too confusing to explain, they'll just be like, the time vortex! Or what, but actually <laughs> it's just a plot hole, you know? <laughs> like sometimes yeah. <laughs> the Collins thing will be like, well, it's because the universe is repeated, but actually... As an audience member, you're sitting at home thinking, but actually, none of that makes sense and what's going on. Do you know what I mean? And like sometimes the character yeah, motivations yeah. seem a little bit off, and that's why sometimes I think the acting is—I don't want to slate it, but like obviously when they're rehe- you know, when they're filming it, they could have like ten different motivations for one scene. So yes, yeah, yeah, yes, that is a good point. Yeah, it will be stuff like yeah, you could you know the you can either murder your dad or back off and it's like oh how are you going to make it look natural when he's working himself up to murder the dad when he decides to back off yeah and and the decision made is just to fade out of the scene (laughs) which like as jake already said so yeah i think you're definitely right and i think again by almost by drawing attention to the decision you know in the tv show it almost feels like it wants to be this really seamless process but actually by drawing attention to those decisions you kind of you have that break where we are kind of pulled out of the action to then go back in to see how that decision affects how the actors are um what their motivations are in that scene if that makes sense Mm. so i think that that would work in a way i I think by by streamlining some of this plot you remove some of these extra you know extra plots that just feel unnatural and you build towards something that is more linear i'm I, like i'm keen to still have it feel like exploratory for the audience but i also kind of think like we talked about that sort of netflix rabbit hole that's one of those ones where like you know oh he's actually on a netflix set but he's like you know he is stefan rather than you know he's the character rather than the actor even though they, they speak to the actor you know it's it, it's goofy and it and it, and by getting rid of that actually you remove that sort of world-breaking stuff or that stuff that goes without explanation within the film. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like um, there's so there's just so many different options. I think that's almost... It, it complicates it more than it adds to it, especially in a stage context. And But I think maybe we need to decide what, what with our lovely little joystick black box situation, what, is he going to kill his dad? Is he going to have a nunchuck therapist situation? Like, <laughs> like what, where, where are we going to go with the many different options that we're presented with? Yeah, that is a good question. I guess we don't have time to go through all of them, but there are definitely some key... <laughs> there are key paths to definitely follow and key paths to definitely get rid of, I guess. It's this weird thing... Sorry, just to jump in on the on the motivation point. I guess I feel like part of the point of Bandersnatch is that they don't need motivation because you're making them do it. Right? Yeah. And that's where it descends into. It descends into, like, he. there is literally no reason for him to kill his dad. Like, yeah, he's a bit annoyed at him sometimes. Yeah. But the idea is that you've made him do it. Well, mm. that depends on what path you've seen beforehand, because the way I watched it this afternoon, 
he had discovered in one reality that his dad had drugged him as a child and incepted trauma into him, which I would say is a pretty good motivation to murder your own father. Um, but if you got to the murder your dad bit without having seen that path already, you're like, why is he killing his dad? His dad's just a bit annoying. So I'm definitely, I'm with you on this. Um, and it is that thing of, yeah, of motivations become muddied depending on which path you've taken. So I guess it would be about, yeah, if you want to keep the murder your dad thing in, you need to have something that ex- explicitly shows that his dad is worth murdering, I guess. <laughs> or that he's like fully radicalized by the uh, documentary he watches on the author. Um, because that's unclear as well. He seems more sort of disturbed by it than radicalized by it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does sort of come out of nowhere. There's, there's, I mean, I, I like it, but specifically when I was saying that there's an example that I was thinking of where, um, uh, the president of Tuckersoft is like calling, um, Stefan to be like, where, where is it? It's like the game is overdue. And um, this is going to be so boring for your listeners if you haven't seen Bandersnatch. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> and in one variation, Guy is like getting really angry and like, and is meant to be kind of rising in tension. And in one, he's not. I'm pretty sure. And 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 yeah. he has to kind of like, as an actor, I'm assuming he has to kind of find this middle ground where the scenes in between can kind of like be both, um, which is, I suppose, quite difficult. And why sometimes I'm not a hundred percent convinced. I mean, I guess, yeah, and I guess it works better for TV in that sense for the actors because they would have not filmed all of these scenes on the same in the same day or at the same time or whatever. Whereas on stage, for an actor, they would feel that lurch between different motivations and things much more. And I think it would come across even cornier than it does on on screen in some ways. To get back to. and I think this solves some of the problem is in cutting away some of these plot points that we feel less strongly about or that we think don't uh, necessarily contribute to the main themes, main plot, main ideas of the, of the film. I definitely want to get rid of the self-indulgent Netflix stuff. And that would include for me getting rid of the fight scene with the therapist um, because... That whole branch. Yeah, I just don't... I think it feels weird and like kind of actually a bit like, I don't know, cheap's probably not the right word. It it feels like such an easy, like, look how meta we are kind of thing. I also feel like in film, you can break the fourth wall like that. You can go like, hey, it's us on TV. You're watching TV, didn't you know? Without having to get an actor to turn to the camera and speak to it. Whereas if you were on stage, the only way of going, you're in a play is for him to see the audience. And then where do you go from there? Yeah. Like, he can just walk out, but, oh my God, you know, you're going to be sitting there as an audience member like, oh, I guess we chose the one that ruined it, you know? Although, actually, when you're saying that, there's something kind of nice about that, maybe? I guess... I quite like that. Yeah, I guess it depends where you get to in the plot. It's too early in the plot. That's it, right? That could be an ending, but that couldn't be one of these endings where you then go back in and go again. I think that could work as a very much as like a complete end game roll credits end of show um, is he realizes there's an audience there and he leaves. That could be really cool. But as this branch that says, oh, lol, like he's in a Netflix show. Now you go back mm. and do the whole thing again. I, I think it doesn't work because you're then asking the audience to say he knows he's in a play, but now he's back in the, the world that the play sets up yeah and also if you're right you would just walk out straight away you can't carry on any sort of 
plot and because otherwise you you would if you thought if your life was in a play you would turn to the audience and be like stop watching me or you know (laughs) 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 but then also it has to acknowledge the audience in some way it's weird yeah Uh, well i think and i think but the way you acknowledge the audience is in this i guess it is about this thing of our our protagonist has to be grounded in the world he's in um and that can be you can still have this interaction where he's like he feels like he's being controlled and we know we're the ones controlling him but that is only ever acknowledged through the you know weakest link style lights and music that goes on for us to use the joystick but but actually for our main character he never has to acknowledge that that's happening and i think that that is what keeps the magic what what holds the suspense for the audience whilst also them feeling like they are interacting with it um in terms of like thinking about the, the the plots that definitely have to be endings that are possible, I think, you know, obviously we have to reach those main endings of uh, the present day and it's the woman that's finishing up the game for him. I didn't reach that this time around, so I haven't seen that ending in about three it's, years. It's really confused because it, the dialogue says that it is Colin's daughter trying to make the game. That's it, right? Yeah. The visuals, the visual shots of that scene do not say that. The visual shots of the scene say that it is Colin's daughter making the show you are currently watching because it Uh, shows clips from it, which are different. It's like it's really weird. It's it's to me was fully confused and that it doesn't know which one it means. (laughs) Isn't it that she's finishing the game by making this show, and it is like it's acknowledging that this is like a an that this is a subversion of the thing that it is, if that makes sense. Like Black Mirror and making Bandersnatch didn't make Bandersnatch. They made the thing about Bandersnatch, but using the format of Bandersnatch. Yeah. But then also, <laughs> but then you get to control her again. Oh yeah, that's ends. true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's weird. Cause that feels like that's the ending, but it also was one of the more stupid ones. <laughs> Um, i think it's one of them where they they needed to do everything you know where they needed one scene that could be from path a and path b and path d and so it was kind of like a little bit of everything but also nothing at the same time um yeah yeah which is is a shame you only get to that scene if you chop up your dad really if you bury him you never get to that scene but the whole the whole film is trying to make you chop up your dad because i specifically (laughs) refused to kill him (laughs) i i know i specifically i killed him the first time and then went to prison but then i i specifically refused to kill him and it took me four four or five more times going through the refusing to kill him before I could find my way to a different ending that let me roll the credits. So it is, it really is making you want to try and kill your dad to get to the end. And there is one ending that doesn't require you to kill your dad, which is where you get your, you find your toy and you go on the train with your mum and you die with her as a kid. Mm. And then it cuts back to the present day or the 1980s therapy session and he's just died sat in the chair because he died in a different alternate dimension as a child kind of thing oh that one's cool i've never seen that that one. that ending is my favorite ending which is why i specifically tried to get to it this time around and i knew i didn't but it, it required me to not kill my dad five times which is crazy <laughs> <laughs> i repeated the show so many times it's good and it has this sick song oh superman by laurie anderson it's so good and it's such a like really neat ending uh, i guess it's kind of weird because he basically chooses to 
commit suicide as a child because he knows that the train is going to derail and crash. But, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I I think that the whole thing is pointing you towards, like you say, Gregor, towards this one ending that then has to service all of these different pathways you might have taken. Um, And so maybe there is a way of having that scene, one, be more explicit about what it's trying to do, like you said, Jake, rather than be this kind of muddled, is it this or is it that? And two... Um, has these variations that the actor can learn so that she can satisfy different pathways in different ways. Um, Which I think if we're streamlining this slightly, you know, let's say there's like three versions of that ending and there's three main paths to take you there. That doesn't seem completely impossible to learn different versions of that that would service different pathways. I don't think so, but I think if we're going on the basis that it's four actors and we've got one female actress and she's also learning (laughs) the 10 million different (laughs) pathways, I think it's so doable. I think it's so doable, but um, I think she might call up up, um, equity and uh, (laughs) (laughs) and we might get sued. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of getting sued, did you know that... um, Choose Co. sued yeah. Netflix for the use of the term "choose your own adventure" for twenty-five million dollars as well. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh my god. Uh, okay, well, we're not calling it a choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> well, this thing—they don't even call it a choose your own adventure. It's just because they literally reference choose your own adventure once in the show, like the, for one line. Um, and Choose Co. were like, "Nah, we're having your money," kind of thing. But Netflix have enough money to do that, so I guess so. But that, I guess that's why, like, you never see Google in these standards. It's always like Schmoogler or something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, because unless you have a brand deal with that brand, you're not yeah. allowed to. It's just yeah. crazy that that's a trademark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that specific phrase, "choose your own adventure," is yeah. That's okay. Insane. Ours is going to be a "choose your own September" play, and it's always set in choose September. Your- Okay. Let's do it. Let's roll with it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> September is so tangentially sort of like that doesn't even sound much like adventure. Like <laughs> the theme song is gonna be right. let me what's that song that's Let Me Know When September Ends by Green Day? Oh my god, yeah, you're just you're just sadly walking about with a pumpkin spice latte. Like, <laughs> it's really gloomy. Oh yeah, but this this also the show only plays in June. Okay, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, perfect. Where, where were we? Um, yeah, different pathways. So I, I want to keep that pathway where he finds the toy and goes on the train. I want to keep these pathways where it ends with that woman. I guess that does mean we have them kill his dad. I guess for me, the big thing in terms of cutting out pathways or whatever is just where there's dead ends, I don't want them to be dead ends. I want them to be... There to be scenes written in that find their way back to the linear storyline rather than having to repeat things that the audience has already seen. Because yeah. I think it is an issue of runtime, but I also think it's an issue of just of rep- repetition and it being incredibly tedious for a theatre audience. If a different person is choosing every time, imagine some guy rocks up and decides to choose the one that went wrong last time again <laughs> for no reason. You know, like, it, I think that could happen. wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly, yeah. right? Um, um, so I think for me, it's about closing up those loops. The only dead end I want to keep is the one where you can choose to jump off the balcony and die when Colin tells you to because that one makes sense and it's early on enough that you wouldn't feel like you're repeating the whole thing um and that one i feel is quite useful in proving the kind of theory of 
uh, Collins of the the multiple alternate universes and them all affecting each other. That's also that's the one path that is in inverted commas done properly in the sense that in the way you've you've just described where if you choose to follow Colin when you are outside the car outside the thing then you go off and follow Colin and no matter what you do you always end up back at the therapist like yeah. it does it does like you will either take a detour and get there or you get there which I yeah. don't know whether it's properly or the opposite properly it never yeah <laughs> but if, but it, if we're trying to make it linear, that one makes the most sense. Yeah, that's the one yeah, that works. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that trade-off between you don't want to cheat the audience into having a shorter night than they want, and I think every single direction can have something satisfying. But I guess you will, it's it's can you be satisfying and follow the themes, right? And I think that's yeah. why it doesn't let you uh, follow what happens if you don't kill the dad, because if you don't kill the dad, then it doesn't you don't get to do the themes they want to do, you know? Yeah. And, but I think you could. I think they just should have thought about it harder. <laughs> and I, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and that's a that is a a pathway that I would want to follow through and see how can we tease out these themes in a different way through this. I I think the first time I watched Trump played it, I got the the one where he jumps off the balcony. So I don't know if that's what sort of one that people lean to more or whatever. Like that was instinctually the one that I went to. I remember. Um, but the thing that I'm thinking about with that is that in a black box space, that might look um, kind of in. Well, there's surely a lovely artistic way of doing it, but there's a lot of like death and and gore um, that that might be like quite interesting when there's a blackout and the actor stands up and they have to play um another character yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i guess the, the the jumping off the balcony one you can you can kind of get away with in you know a bit of a blackout here a sound effect there Boo. but certainly the dad being murdered by an ashtray <laughs> you've gotta that has to be a i mean i i think you could do it where he like stabs him with a kitchen knife or something like that but there is certainly like a quick turnaround of costume and things uh and t- yeah to make that believable that he's actually murdered his dad is is a genuine challenge i'm not sure i have a solution for it i'm just reiterating the problem that you've you've suggested i don't even really believe it in the film he's hit him he's hit him once in the temple with a small ashtray yeah i know but like would you instantly die i don't like (laughs) maybe not there's got to be at least a 70 percent chance of concussion yeah yeah no you're not wrong yeah fair enough if i remember rightly it doesn't does it smash i don't think it does No, no i think it's a blunt and i was like hmm Maybe we should mix it up, and the dad doesn't die, and the and he hits him over the head, and he gets concussion, and he bar and he buries him alive. That would be really Whoa, messed up. That'd that could definitely be a path where maybe there's just a path where it's like you're definitely going to kill your dad. Are you going to use this ashtray or a knife? <laughs> if they choose the ashtray, then the dad doesn't die. I don't know. I like it. I yeah. like it. Let's just let's just add more and more. Yeah, yes. yeah. Rather yeah. than trying to make this more linear, we make this more confusing. That's true. To do. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Every time anyone says ashtray, I think of Tim Minchin's poem "Feet," where he goes ashtray really weirdly. Um, I'm not. I. I mean, I know lots of Tim Minchin, but I wish I know that one. It's quite obscure because it's also very problematic, and he doesn't do it anymore. Oh um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I wonder how much more there is to get from just. <laughs> 
just re- reminding ourselves of the many, many, many different storylines that we might have come across. Uh, supposedly, according to some dodgy Wikipedia maths, there's like a trillion pathways. Like, like as in, because you can do them in different orders. Equity is going to get really upset with yeah. those guys. <laughs> I can you imagine the be. complaint if they asked me to do a trillion different pathways? No, but so like, apparently... Okay, but that, that includes, like, whether you pick the... That that is that like doubles it when you pick which cereal to have at the beginning and stuff. Right, right, yeah, right? yeah, exactly, yeah. And that yeah, like it's yeah, not. There's there are only really there's like two, seven things. Two hundred and fifty filmed scenes is the total number of scenes that are filmed, or like segments that are filmed. Right. Which I definitely think we could at least cut in half for our actors, <laughs> because two hundred to know two hundred and fifty <laughs> scenes is a lot of scenes. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, sorry. I've just found out. So the, this one where you did where you follow the mum, you can only do it if you go through a, like if you go through again. So like the first time you get to the password thing in the dream. Yeah. To- toy is never like, the one that makes no, you follow No, toy the isn't there. Yeah. It's yeah. never an option so unless to... it's the second time you've done it. So you have to go through oh, that, okay. kill the dad, go to prison, go back in, find your way back to the thing and then input toy. Um yeah. That's pretty so mad. Dumb. <laughs> it is dumb, right? Because it's a really interesting ending, and it's the and it's an end, and it's weird as well because that's an ending, like it's an actual ending. But I don't think it fully gets to the themes in the way that the other ending yeah. does. Also, I think it's a length thing, right? It's just because like, the way this the structure of this mm. thing is, it like it kind of forces you through Act One quite linearly, and then yeah. like you have a bit of rising tension, and then it like it, like it's so quick to like find a way to resolve it. Yeah, yeah. That's not that satisfying, and there's never any denouement or anything other than if you get to the one where colin's daughter is making a game we we've talked around it in circles I, we we have this yeah, this I, play shall have a plot <laughs> <laughs> i i yeah i mean i think we've we've got at the main stuff of like we have a mechanic we have um <laughs> four mechanics we have four actually mechanics, i'm yeah. pretty sure jake said we have four <laughs> mechanics as extra new new characters we also have a way of voting for the different options um so and it's, we have so it's greece it's great choose your own greece choose your own greece um, <laughs> um and choose your own greece in august in, in sure. august September. and it, no it's yeah. yeah set in september but we do it in june the Black Ball Studio multi-rolling cast, I think, is a good way of doing it. And it's cheap. That's always fun. And then, yeah, we talked a little bit about gore. Is there anything else in terms of, like, how would we do that in the way that we're currently doing it, if that makes sense? In terms of, like, actual plot points and things. It, well, I, that, I was going to say, have we got at the theme of free will that it is trying to explore in our version? Like, have we achieved that? That is a good question. I don't know if we have. Mm, I I think we could achieve it better. I think that Charlie um, Brooker. Oh man, you <laughs> just got destroyed. I know, what... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Gregor Weir from uh, from a small town just single handedly took down Charlie. Brooker. <laughs> Sorry, please You're give me a from job. Edinburgh. That's not a small town. <laughs> Well, I was going to say Edinburgh, but I was like, you know what? Let's, let's okay, we'll cut out. We'll cut out. From. <laughs> Greg Weir from a big city. The boy from the big city took big Charlie Brooker down. Big dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I was staging a trillion plot play. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, I feel like we could 
enhance the free will aspect a little bit in terms of it works quite well on film because you're kind of hidden behind the screen and there's that kind of joy almost of like watching anything you like unfold but I suppose when you're in a theatre and it's live it's kind of harder to ignore that the audience is there when the, the attention is really really drawn on the audience all the time yeah you know what I mean yeah does that make sense does that add to the free will aspect I don't think so <laughs> well I think you're right in that like we draw more attention to the fact that we the audience make the decisions and that therefore our our protagonist is not making those decisions because you're watching another act another audience member make that decision for him if that makes sense so that aspect of free will i think is drawn attention to i guess um the thing you can do in theater and it not feel too unnatural is like jake mentioned earlier have our actors talk to the audience um and i think maybe there's a way of rethinking these endings so like the Collins daughter one I mean in the TV show she does talk to the camera right because it's like in a documentary type thing about what she's making yeah yeah okay so there's that and she can talk to the audience but you know in this ending we talked about where he maybe where he does go down this this uh, route towards the end where he's in the therapist's office and he, he finds out he's in a scene with an audience watching him you know you can have him kind of um, exposit these themes to the audience at the end and then decide he you know when he decides to break that fourth wall and maybe he even leaves through the audience or something which i'm realizing now as a trope we talk about so often on this podcast is having someone enter or leave through the audience <laughs> which is maybe it's because we, we i think we've done that since lockdown maybe it's just because we miss audiences that's what i'm going to say i think no, i think um, it is and also i think it's also there's only two options they either go off the wings or, or they go the off audience. through the audience. Yeah, this is like true. every time we've thought of it, it has it's for it's for a completely different effect. So that's I, true. It doesn't feel that repetitive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, so in this, you could have it be like you know he's saying like the, the the only way. So maybe that's the only route in which he can he can realize he has no free will and choose to break that as well, um, which maybe goes against the themes. I don't think I fully understood what the, what the meaning of this show was. But, um, <laughs> don't think the people that made it did necessarily so um yeah it gets towards you know what you know i you know why you thought with we talked about it before is because it's really similar to the what we discussed with the truman show because uh, if yeah. you let him realize he's in a play then you've done the truman show sort of you know yes yeah this is true this is true maybe we don't do that then <laughs> i don't know no it's fine um, like, it's fine yeah 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 but no, I, so I think there is a way of attacking like quite explicitly that theme as well um, and saying like, acknowledging like we are in a theatre and uh, and the free will has been decided by the audience. I guess as well, maybe there's a, a version, an ending where we throw it back at the audience and we say, because I think what's also exciting, right, is although it's about free will, you know, we are pushed down this linear path towards like an version like a version of an ending um in in bandersnatch on netflix and i think there is a way of throwing it back to the audience of saying oh you know you thought this was playable you thought you had agency but we are always in control of what happens on stage because we're the people that oh, make I it i love that that's so cool what if we had like some sort of way of subliminally influencing them to pick <laughs> 
and then we literally hypnotize our audience right <laughs> and 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 then at the end it's like we've kind of inverted the whole theme of bandersnatch of like yeah. it's not yeah like that oh that could and be this cool. does what that. you said jake about we have to make a thing and subvert it yeah we're we're taking it again and then subverting it another time they are charlie brooker yeah there you go charlie yeah no but but, uh, but it's very 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 possible there's there's half of all magic is force you know it's it's this idea of force is the force like yes in star wars half of all magic is the force and let it flow through you no um half 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 of all like real life magic yeah is is about forcing people to do things that you want them to do like mentalism yeah back to darren brown aren't we but um and you know there's a whole there's a government department called the nudge unit which is all about making people make decisions um which no, is that true really yeah, that yeah. sounds I mean, so fake that's amazing but it but, it, but yeah. it's you know it's it's stuff it's normally public health stuff like uh yeah, it's, you know yeah. how sometimes you'll go into a maybe you don't but sometimes you'll go into a public urinal and there'll be like a little b sticker on the in the urinal like at the, at the where you would want to aim if you were trying not to splash people what I can't so, say I've you may not they 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 are mainly in Germany. If but if you've ever noticed if you've ever been in a bathroom and you've seen a little like sticker that's like where it, it that happens to be where you would aim if you were trying not to splash people as much as possible. Um that is why it's there because it gives you something to aim at so that you don't wow. splash people. Um, there you go. Oh, that's going to be the that's the kind of thing the Nudge Unit does. This um, is going to be the little minute that we cut out and turn into a video to put on the social media. Is you just describing people being at a specific point in the urinal? <laughs> I've chosen such a, a hellish topic for you guys. <laughs> we just diverged on so many. This is Bandersnatch. Oh it my God, is. We're in Bandersnatch. Oh, it's a choose your own podcast. Podcast. In a minute. In a minute. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's it. Okay. Sorry, everyone. If Listeners you enjoyed this home, episode, you, this listen it. to the next episode. If you yes. didn't enjoy this episode, still listen, listen to the to whole the back catalogue. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just expecting Charlie Brooker to drop into our Zoom call right now and explain the whole thing to us. Um, oh, I, I think hi, Charlie. Is... Hello. You're... <laughs> yeah. Hello. Come on. Go on. Why don't you, do you pretend right, to be Charlie I can't Brooker? Do it. I can't do an impression of Charlie Brooker. Where's he from? It's like Birmingham accent, isn't he? he has. Is he Birmingham? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, <laughs> to get it back to this, yeah, this throwing it back on the audience thing, I think you could you could even have it where there are multiple endings because if you think about it i mean maybe you have people going there for a repeat show but people don't know that the ending they picked is different from the night before necessarily and Mm -hmm. so you could still throw it back on them and say we knew or you know you even acknowledge like yeah this is one of four endings but we knew what all four endings were going to be before we showed up tonight kind of thing um wait so how, how about we say there's four endings but there isn't there, there's one ending but yeah, we say there's four endings I love that I think well, that's yeah. so ballsy it's fun <laughs> <laughs> no yeah I think you could and I think that would be fun and I think it would be you know you don't necessarily have to uh, use magical uh, sort of like advanced psychology <laughs> I don't know to, no, it's not, that's to, what I'm saying is it's not that advanced right there are, right, things, right, there, right. Are, there are ways of making people make a choice and so that obviously you probably but, have to plan for the eventuality of them ignoring you but, but this is it, right? But also you could have them make the choice at, you know, as freely as anyone can make a choice. Um, oh, there's but, the whole thing in Magic as well where you, you go like, you know when it's like pick a card 
or like yeah. pick, a, pick a pile or something and you pick a pile but they never told you whether they were going to take the pile you pick or not and so they yeah, go okay you yeah, picked yeah. that pile so i'll take the other one yeah, or, yeah, yeah like even stuff like that we like you can do things like that where actually if you want this could just be a completely linear plot with no options at all right right well, boring, I, think, but... I, I think you could i think you could have these options in there but i think it is this thing of right of in theater what i find interesting in theater or one of the things i find interesting is not the only thing is is like this level of control that you have to have as performers producers artists designers whatever over of the thing that over the thing you're making you have to have such a, a detailed understanding of it to do it well um but that never necessarily is clear to the audience and something we've tried with our most recent show which is hopefully going to be on somewhere this summer so look out for that um is this to give it this feeling of like chaos like the audience thinks everything could be improvised and things could go wrong at any time um but actually like the actors are in complete control of what they're doing or i guess as a better example like the play that goes wrong where like we Mm. don't know what's going to go wrong next but the people on stage obviously do otherwise they would probably get very horribly injured by one of the many moving parts of this the setting um so i think there's a way of of doing that where it feels like anything can happen it feels like you can make any of these choices as the audience and it could go in any direction but in the end it always ends up at the same place of we knew exactly where it was going to end up because we make the play so as much free will as the audience you might think they have we have the control as the artist. That's not a great message, I guess. <laughs> no, I like that. That's 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 fun. I, it's like it would be a really interesting, almost psychological experiment about like yeah, audience behavior and and group psychology. Darren Brown again, but it's that thing of I'm sure there was a study about um, if you sit in an audience. Uh, with like a group of people and watch a show all your heartbeats synchronize which what? i think is so fascinating that yeah. is fascinating so like, right so that you can just con- control that group really easily with um with the power of theater <laughs> <laughs> that's it. it it's about the power of theater i like that yeah it's interesting i would challenge that the message of the netflix show at least it doesn't really succeed but it tries to be what is free will like is like do we does anyone really have free will is there not infinite realities where everyone's made every choice possible yeah whereas the theater one goes fuck you we make the theater <laughs> which is i, I guess you just throw like... up loads of questions of like like you said like you could say there's four endings and this is one of them but there's actually only one or you could say this is the ending there's only one ending but there's actually like five different endings like you can still oh, play like with the that. audience and without them even necessarily knowing you're playing with them as well right and that's there's a kind of meta theatrical uh acknowledgement of asking what is free will that the audience might not even necessarily be aware of unless they went more than once mm. and you can say that come again and you'll you'll realize you have no free will <laughs> you've been had you've been yeah. Yeah. We, you've been pranked but you won't be able to tell how unless you come again <laughs> yeah exactly oh what a shame you have to spend day. some more money <laughs> talk about uh, a satisfying audience experience yeah right? <laughs> oh gosh um anything else to say i feel like we have we there's so much to talk about here there's so many themes yeah. there's so many characters we didn't even talk about what will paul's character is and whether it's good or bad i'm on team good but a lot of journalists as in, were on team was bad. he was um, he good was it interesting is what is the question about his performance <laughs> i thought it was good yeah so did i anyway some people thought it was bad. Anyway, anyway uh, no, we, I, we I didn't like touch on well. it. 
We didn't touch on themes. We didn't touch on... Well, we did touch on themes. We, we nearly didn't touch on themes. We yes. haven't talked about various effects that we would like to do. For example, I would not do turning off lights to jump off a balcony. I would no, do I mean, what I wouldn't they do was... in Les Mis and have a like, obs- obscured thing. Um, yeah. For example, we haven't talked about whether we'd have any set at all other than this Game Boy Advance thing <laughs> that's uh, what i'm here for <laughs> uh we there's lo- there's loads there's loads to talk about we haven't talked about how we would indicate the 80s without our wh smith dressing um, i think there are, but, there is loads to talk about but no you say your butt because i just cut you off no no no. You what's your me? butt well I, li- my, I like your butt <laughs> my butt is um <laughs> there is loads to talk about but actually also so much of it and this is i i enjoyed bandersnatch but my main criticism of it is that so much of it is just stuff um and i think what we've done uh this evening or whenever you're listening to this is is cut across that and just say there are some key ways that you would need to stage this and the rest of it is just stuff yeah we only have one plot <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, we've so broken we've really the very the idea of the show. So. <laughs> yeah, but but there, you're right. There, I, um, this was always going to be an, an interesting conversation because we can't cover everything. There's also a dog, um, <laughs> that appears and then dies sometimes. Um, so we we've got to have a dog that can Wait, be what? readily killed. The dog only yeah. matters in the plot where. Uh, Will Poulter's wife comes looking for him, and then the dog digs up his dad. That's the only one in which the oh, dog, uh, in which the dog does not, something. I, I, does he not kill the dog at one point? There Maybe, might, there might be one where he kills the dog, but I don't think that I didn't matters. even I didn't even get any dog in mine. No, no dog did I. <laughs> Um, there is actually one thing that actually I think is quite important is that a lot of the endings end with this like TV game review show. Um, oh yeah, mm, I hate that. Mm. I right, would we, we just like want to find another way of doing all the endings? There is that no guy ending was that so is like punchable. that. <laughs> Did anyone else think this? I think that's the point. He's that. He's like a nerdy guy. I uh, know. I guess games. maybe. I that's it. You're a bully, Caleb. Right, I'm a bully. Oh no, I'm gonna get cancelled for saying I, I think he's punchable. Um, maybe he is fun. I found him frustrating, and and like I think it's Charlie Brooker's. Um, take on critics right is like they they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes because every time he's like this is a bad game or whatever he sounds like that he doesn't sound like that um but but actually like we've seen the story behind it and there's so much more to it than it was just a bad game there was other things going on right paul bradley apparently is his name and apparently he has been in holby city and eastenders and he holds an irish passport and wikipedia thinks that he is Paul Chuckle because that is the image that it's given out me. <laughs> I mean, um, good so on him. I don't take issue with the actor. But... Caleb is going to pa- punch Paul Chuckle in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. It says, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, if we could sort of almost project this while things are resetting for the next but then we were we sort of said that we didn't really want to like loop things too many times i think it's one of those things where if an ending ends with um the guy that's like no takasoft got zero stars then we (laughs) we just cancel it and you know do we we just the game the game thing shows like game over play again yes or no 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 i think we we find a way of getting back into the linear storyline yeah, for most of them. Yeah, there's a couple. For of most of them, I want to do like a game over thing. 
Um, yeah, and like the, I mean, you click no, it's like, are you sure you will lose value for money on your theatre seat? <laughs> <laughs> well, that very that very first one where he accepts the offer from Tuckersoft and it goes wrong, I would be happy to keep that one in because that's early on and there's enough time to repeat for it not to be like three hours long, right? Um, but I think there are some where it's just like, oh, maybe there are few, few enough of them that it kind of works and you could reset. Because I'm thinking the other one, the other one that leaps out of me is when his dad, when he murders his dad, and they're like, yeah, he's like, oh, what's really interesting about this is the guy murdered his dad, um, and the other one where like he, when he jumps off the balcony and dies, uh, it's like, oh, it's really interesting the backstory of the guy having the mental breakdown and dying, and then Takasov just released it. Oh yeah, mm. that's 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 a message in the thing. But if you take your pills, your game will be bad. That's that's a thing the film says. Oh, that's su- yes. and that's such a classic. Like any kind of mental illness, it so often we get this trope of if you follow the advice of your therapist and take your pills, you can't be a good artist. And it's yeah, an interesting message to put out in a mainstream uh, sort of film. I think. <laughs> mm. Yikes. Again, I think they were just grafted, grasping at straws a bit, and just were. Yeah, they maybe didn't know where they were going with that potentially um and i i also as well the as much as i like the ending where he jumps off the balcony it is a bit like classic takes a drug trip and goes crazy do you know what i mean (laughs) it's it's maybe a little um done yeah. why am i ripping into charlie brooker please give me a job charlie <laughs> also also the kind of point of that scene is that whether you choose to take the drug or not you don't you get given the drug and like it's again like you only see that when you do all the paths and netflix is relying on the fact that you will do all the try and do more than one path whereas in the play we can't quite do that message you know yeah mm. but yeah that's um, true we have talked um, a lot and we've I feel talked like a lot it is time to bring it to an end I agree. Gregor, tell us more about your VR experiences. We are so curious. Where can people find them? What are they about? Why would I like them? Advertise them to me. Um, <laughs> they, are, they are great. Um, but, but go and follow... Oh, that sounds very aggressive. <laughs> Please feel free to give um, at we're underscore Gregor a follow on Twitter so that you can see all all the things that I'll be getting up to with this these VR experiences and we're also working on um, something quite exciting that's going to come out later this year so go and have a look at Battersea Art Centre's website because um, Live to Tell is is going to be coming to VR um, and it's an amazing experience <laughs> um, it's an autobiographical show and it's really beautiful and it's heartfelt and it's also got Madonna in it and who doesn't love Madonna so and that's weir spelt like the water thing right w-e-i-r it is yeah g-r-e-g-o-r underscore w-e-i-r perfect yeah I look forward to seeing those things as they um, as they arrive but obviously yeah you've got to follow the Twitter to Nowhere. Oh, you gonna... got you got to follow the Twitter to know where the tweets are. That's right. <laughs> got to tweet the tweets. And Caleb, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm online at Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox. You can you can read me review Bandersnatch uh, from a film point of view rather than from a trying to make a play point of view on there. Uh, I'm on all of those platforms at Caleb Lebster, C A L E B L E B S T E R. 
Jake, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd, where I also write reviews of films and what I think of them, if you care about that kind of thing. At Jake Reich, that's J-A-K-E-R-E-E-S-H. And this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, and we are Maybe You Like It Productions. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Maybe You Like It, that's with the letter U, or on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions, that's with the word U. Or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk, or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. And if you have not rated us yet, damn you rate the podcast <laughs> and give no, it five stars that, that was too aggressive, that was come, too aggressive. very aggressive <laughs> um, no and uh, and if you do enjoy listening to us talk about how we'd stage things please do rate us on your platform <laughs> give us five stars four if four if you're feeling negative about things um, yeah. but five would be lovely um, I can't tell- wait to cut both of those together and make you sound like a madman <laughs> And, uh, uh, <laughs> and and do tell your friends tell your friends um i actually i've got sent a text today that was here's a here's a podcast that my friend makes that i really like and it was my own podcast and i was like why have you sent me my own podcast and they were like oh i meant to send that to my sister but i accidentally sent it to you which was just great fun uh, well at least someone likes the podcast you know so that's, that's a it was win just a real subtle book. way of telling me they enjoy it they didn't want to like, come out <laughs> yeah. and say it so they just like <laughs> they didn't actually want to send it to anyone because they didn't want to be associated with it in any way but they wanted to let you know they enjoyed it anyway maybe you like that maybe you didn't what's a bandersnatch thing listen to that again and you'll find it has a different conclusion That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't.